Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the seventh episode from season two of Castle Rock titled The Word. The wor- what is the word? Oof, is the I word WTF? or? What? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's the bird. The bird is definitely not the word in this episode. Thought of that too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This one blew my mind. I don't know about you. But I was uh, shook. Unfortunately, I know last week I talked about I got spoiled. Was that it? I remember that. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so the Sean. big reveal, I kind of knew what it was going to be oh, uh, way man. ahead of time. So it kind of took away from it a little bit. But um, yeah, because even when I saw the first carving that they showed, I was like, yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of looks like his melted face a little bit. So like, yeah, I know. Dude. I know what's happening here. But I'm sorry. That's I freaking spoilers, man. Yeah, it's my fault. If I was better at remembering names, I wouldn't have to pull up IMDb <laughs> each time. So it's kind of shame on me, but uh, it happens. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. It's like nowhere is safe. I've talked about it before. There's um, like I watch Grey's Anatomy still, still watching, still devout watch watcher. It will tick me off so bad. I don't seek out spoilers. I try to, I don't 100% avoid social media, but just like scrolling through, like even just on something like Entertainment Weekly or something, because I follow them, um, they'll put a freaking spoiler in just the headline. Like you don't even have yeah. to click on anything. It's like if you're just going through the news or, or um, and I don't even think I was on Twitter one time when I got spoiled on some, I was just on my Apple News app and I'm just scrolling through my news feed on, on um, Apple News and because um, I follow a lot of entertainment stuff. They had spoilers right there in the headline. Line. And I'm like, at least make it to where you have to click on the damn thing. Like, you have to seek it out. Why do you yeah, have to put it in the headline it's, where it's right there in your face? It's all about getting that click. So, I mean, you read yeah. that, you're like, oh, shit, now I'm spoiled. Well, now what does this mean? Click. I know. It's terrible. It makes me so angry. It's spoilers just anger me so much. Um, it's fine if you like spoilers and that's what that's your thing and you're okay with being spoiled. But, man, for the folks that don't. Yeah, you know what I equate it to? I, <laughs> I always take my shoes off at people's houses because – a, if they don't care if you wear shoes, you haven't mm-hmm. bothered them any. And right. B, if they do care, they don't have to awkwardly ask you to take your shoes off. Yeah. It's kind of like spoilers. It's like don't give out spoilers because if they do like spoilers and you don't, you haven't hurt them any. But if they do, you've kind of avoided a whole awkward conversation. Exactly. And, you know, for people who like spoilers or don't mind them, you know, you can seek them out. They're not hard to find for pretty much any show that's out there. There's a spoiler site or social oh, yeah. media or a friend who's watched it already. And, or just Google, you know, we'll just hey, tell what you. happened? And it'll exactly. Tell exactly. It's not hard to find, but it's unfortunate. Well, that's a bummer because I didn't get spoiled, so Good. I was definitely – I'd like to get the perspective of what happened to somebody who didn't get spoiled. So I'm excited to see what you had to say. I'm so bummed for you. I'm not, I'm going to feel really bad about that for a while. When you said that you'd gotten spoiled I and I watched this episode, I thought, oh God, I hope that wasn't it because I thought about you. Oh, okay. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our number five this week and at least get our perspectives, spoiled or not, <laughs> on this week's episode. Um, I'll go ahead and kick it off this week with my number five. Um, just... Want to talk a little bit about uh, the French settlers? So, 
we were kind of wondering who these folks were, right? We're, we're kind of getting a feel for um, kind of what's going on with Ace and some of the other folks at um, in Salem's Lot. Like, you know, are they are they possessed or, um, you know, are they just, you know, what exactly is happening with them? And then who's taking them over? We knew that they were French um, because they were speaking French. Apparently they like wine. That must be a, a French thing, I guess. I, I love wine, but I'm I not I think French. everybody loves wine. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, but it was kind of this episode we really get to see that backstory um, of, of seeing who who these people were. And I think that um, all the the costume people, the set designers, and everyone did a really good job with like the set of the village and the costumes because it, it really felt pretty genuine. Um, they should do a like if they did American Horror Story style, like where you get to see kind of specific seasons based on things. I wouldn't mind seeing a season based on that whole scenario. Yeah. Because, I mean, they got the set built up, like, because we it really cut into it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to kind of see the beginning to the end of that, like, that would be really pretty intriguing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I was really digging it. I really felt like, you know, it was a pretty good representation of, uh, like, what the 1600s, you know, kind of first villages and settlers that were coming over from Europe, uh, what, what those houses and the churches and, um, you know, trying to grow their food, you know, what that kind of looked like, and, and also with their uh, um, period uh, clothes and stuff looked I thought really spot on, like I was there and no, but (laughs) I think it's interesting too. It's something that I don't think we as a society can really understand anymore, but like the whole being banished, uh, you know, when you think about like, you know, like if today, if your parents kick you out of the house, it's like, that sucks, but there's a lot of avenues that you could kind of get support and be okay. Like Mm -hmm. back then it was pretty much a death sentence. It's like, you are banished from this community, go out on your own where it's a there's wilderness out there you don't know what's all like you know what other people are out there that might not be very helpful mm-hmm. uh how close is the next civilization like you probably don't even really know and it'd be really scary and it's definitely a death sentence and I, I i don't think we as a society can really understand that to this day i mean i guess the equivalent would be like if somebody said oh we're gonna banish you and they find this island in the middle of nowhere that nobody could get to you and they drop you off there that's probably the closest it would be yeah, like naked and afraid or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. When when uh, Amity and Augustine were um, uh, kicked out of the village, yeah, there's wild animals to contend with. They have no shelter. They have no food. Um, that to me would be very scary. I don't do well in the harsh wilderness. You know, I'm. You know, I I I, I probably could try to survive, but I don't think I would acclimate to that too well so that to me would be pretty damn scary to not have anyone to lean on plus you know there you know who knows what else is out there um you know not really like this like devil kind of figure that we get to see later on but um you know natives um you know who knows what the hell and and they were protected by not just the community but they had like looks like gates they had like a wall around their community oh, yeah. um, i mean that's i mean you know, you do have natives that were there. You have other like um, – I'm sure there was French fur traders and stuff like that that probably were a little bit rougher kind of people that, mm-hmm. you know, if they found, you know, a woman and a man all by themselves in the woods, they probably wouldn't have much like worry not to mess with them because there would be no real repercussion for it because it's, you know, literally the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it's – yeah, it – it brings a lot of scary feels there. Um, yeah. I know like uh, – 
uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was in that one where he fought the bear. Oh, the uh, Revenant. Yeah, and that kind of has like Frontier <laughs> Leo. Great, great language yeah. romance episode, Frontier Leo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's this kind of thing like you, you get attacked. Like, you know, you think today, like if you cut yourself, it's like, oh man, that sucks. And, you know, maybe it gets infected. And it's like, oh, well, great. Now I have to go to the doctor. Go to urgent back- care. Oh, yeah. yeah. Back then, it's like you cut yourself. You're like, oh, God, I hope that doesn't get infected. And you probably don't even know what that means. It's just probably like, oh, God, cut it off because it might get infected or it might turn this devil green color and I have to yes, lose my hand. Yes, gangrenous. Oh, my gosh. I know. I don't, think they, I don't think they believed in germs back then. I think that was more of like an early 1900s thing, if I know my history correctly, which is weird to think about just that. I know. I, I'm not going to doubt you on that one because honestly, I don't know as far as like when we started thinking about, oh, we should wash our hands and like doctors and physicians and yeah. such started thinking about washing their hands when they're, you know, um, cleaning wounds for patients and stuff and how it helps prevent infection and stuff. I, I thought they, I don't even know if they did that much in the Civil War. So maybe it was sometime after that because I feel like they, or maybe they didn't have time for it because they were doing so many amputations yeah, and such. If um, this is kind of super nerdy, but if you are a fan of history, Destiny of the Republic, it's a book based on Garfield, not the car- car- cartoon character, the president Garfield <laughs> that was assassinated. It follows the doctor at that time who was preaching that we should clean uh, and sanitize because there's these microscopic things that we can't see called germs. Oh, and he was ostracized by the doctor community because basically doctors saw themselves as holier than holy. Mm-hmm. So it was this whole thing of like, well, what do you mean I got to clean my favorite scalpel? Like, I'm not cleaning it. You know, yeah, I just cut into this person and I'm cleaning somebody else. Like, but you're trying to say there's these things we can't see. Like, what are you, a devil? I don't think they really thought they were devils, but. But yeah, that's not too far from the, the that's not too far of a stretch there. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. But that's what they said. The reason that Garfield actually died was not from the gunshot wound because there were many people who had that similar type of wound during the Civil War that survived because they would just leave it alone because they're like, yeah, you got shot. We're going to put a bandage over it. Hopefully you live, but we got to cut this guy's foot off. And so with the president, though, like there were so many doctors with unclean hands that just wanted to be the person to save the president. So there were so many people digging and prodding at that wound that it got infected, and that's what killed him. So you imagine this Dr. George who thinks like, oh, I'm the greatest person ever, eating a sandwich right before he goes in there and starts poking and prodding around there after using the bathroom. Yes. Causing all this, like, harm where – but that's kind of a long story to get back to the point of, like, yeah, like you cut yourself in the woods, and it's hard to tell what could happen. Yeah. That's yeah, that's fascinating. I I find history extremely fascinating and and find that fascinating. But yeah. and think of how far we've come just by washing our hands. Other today. interesting note cuz I really want to uh <laughs> pimp this book. The guy that shot President Garfield, mm-hmm. he chose the pistol that he used because he thought it would look good in a museum. Oh wow. He was, so he he was looking to be famous. Yeah, he like I don't think he had any political reason for doing it besides trying to be famous essentially. It, it's a really interesting book. And F- funny, find, like, I don't these three I, different stories converging. Interesting. And funny because I don't know the name of the guy that shot Garfield, so I don't, I don't guess he was that damn was. famous. Yeah. <laughs> did, I think they gave him work. three names. All assassins have three <laughs> names for some reason. But. They do. Oh my well, gosh! That's well, enough that's strange really indeed history podcast. Let's get yeah, back you're you're welcome, guys. History lesson one hundred and one today, brought to you by Sean and Rima. 
Um, well, I find it fascinating because I love history. I could just sit here and talk about history um, or learn about it all day, but we don't have all day. But I just thought it was a good representation. I liked at least finding out now who these French settlers were. We got to see this uh, mysterious Amity character that Augustine um, is, you know, waiting to bring back. We find out who he was. He was a, a preacher or priest, whatever they called them in those days. I'm not sure if they um, narrowed that down. But, you know, kind of got to see that history and who these people were um, that I feel Pop was referencing in one of the earlier episodes when he was talking about um, mm, those French yeah. settlers, the first ones that, that that settled in Jerusalem's lot and in Castle Rock. So I thought, I okay, the, uh, now we're the making talk, the connections. Yeah, I love the talk back to where they talk about they made a deal with a bad hombre. And like bad when that story hombre. was being told, you're really thinking of like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of like Salem where, you know, these, you know, people were crucified or, or basically burned to death for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. But you're getting to see the reverse of it where, of course, her dad and them didn't seem like great guys, but, you know, they were burned because somebody else is following kind of a false idol. Exactly. It was a little bit different, you know, than it, it kind of reverted my expectations a little bit um, because, you know, you always hear, um, you know, uh, gosh, you know, burning witches at the stake, all of our terrible history at like, you know, um, in the early settlements and, and women who, you know, seemed a little different. Um, and then there were what tales of people who actually suffered epilepsy, but they thought them, thought them to be witches. Anytime anybody thought a little bit differently outside the box or anything, they were just thought to be a witch. So, you know, you think it's going to be kind of like a story like that, but it ends up kind of being, they flip it on you a little bit. Um, so definitely very interesting and I'm glad we're kind of getting to see, you know, the backstory of who these French settlers were and getting the story of, um, you know, what happened. So I, I liked all of that. Um, so that's my number five. I like it. That's actually, uh, my number five as well was just a flashback and getting to see a lot of that. Um, I think it's interesting <laughs> that we are getting, uh, they're not really, you know, when you first saw all this happening, you can almost see these French are basically the people being possessed as like the bad people, I guess Mm -hmm. like there's something bad happening, but really they're just trying to follow what they were told when they killed themselves. You know, it's very much like a cult mentality. It's like, Hey, in 400 years we'll wake up and you know, like how crazy would it be if in 400 years you actually did wake up? Like, because to me, all those things like have like, you know, the, oh man, this is kind of rambling, I guess. But the the first person they did this to was a child. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you talk about you know, I, I was listening to a podcast. I was talking about um, some of the cult things that have happened. You know, like in a uh, Jamestown and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. people bring their kids to this, and it's like if you legitimately believe that this person is basically telling you what he's saying, like you have to kill yourself for everlasting, you know, salvation or whatever. If you legit believe that, you would take your kid there. And it's, you know, I think the guy on there is like, well, you know, I just wouldn't tempt that. Like, I wouldn't put my kid through that, which I wouldn't do either because it's, you know, that's, you don't wake up 400 years from now. I mean, I guess you don't really know you did a, you made a bad decision, but uh, like that, that was the scene that kind of. That was hard to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially like the parents in the background, like when they're like about to shove a bug down your kid's throat, be like, you know what? Like we're going to, we're going to bounce out on this one. We'll watch over you guys. And you know, if we only get 60 years out of it, then you know, you wake up 400 years, come to our grave and go, ha ha. But you know, uh, but yeah, but not much else to add besides that a little bit. But yeah, my number five was the flashback as well. 
Yeah, good stuff. Good background. And I, I, I think they did a really good job um, with it. I was kind of worried. Flashbacks always worry me, but they've done a pretty good job. Yeah, they of, have. You know, balancing that. So that was good so far. Um, all right. My number four, I want to talk a little bit about Annie, um, kind of get back to present day a little bit. Um, so I was wrong. She was arrested by real cops. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> I thought in the last episode um, when, um, oh shit, what was her name that got accidentally shot? Rita was shot and the cops, I thought, oh no, that's just going to be more of those folks that are under ACE's control or they're grouped in with ACE, you know, and they're going to, um, you know, take her and and deliver her to ACE. Um, But nope. Uh, she was arrested by real cops. So they took her to her cabin instead of to the police station. Why do you think they did that? I don't, I was confused by that. I was like, if you think that somebody just murdered someone, why would you not, you know, put them in the police car and then take them to the police station to then conduct that interrogation? I just thought that was kind of curious. I didn't, I kind of glossed over that, I guess, just because I felt like maybe that was, you know, just, uh, I don't know. I was going to say if maybe they want, wanted to see if Ace was there or something like that, but, and they were close there too. And maybe, they, but you wouldn't take a, somebody that was in that situation back to their home where it could be the scene of the crime. I know. And it seemed like the one cop, I don't, I don't, I didn't get any of the cops' names. So this is terrible of me, but it seemed like the main guy that was the older guy that was questioning her, um, you know, it was, I guess, all up to him, you know, as far as bringing, her there and I guess one of his deputies was like you know why are we going to take her to the cop station what's going on you know and it's like why aren't we you know so I I think he was just as confused and I don't know that it was ever really explained because she did end up going to the police station we didn't see her there but we know later on whenever Ace um, told uh, the one um, his name is Patrice and I'm guessing it was his um, like his common name not his like present day name of the cop that he turned um he's like it's your job to go get her um you need to go look out for her and get her out um so by then it's like we then learned she was then taken to the police station but we don't actually see her he ends up coming back and reporting back and telling ace about how she's also on those um mind-altering drugs um so i don't know i'm like well why why they chose to do that i'm not sure i don't know if anybody has any insight as to why they would decide to take her home um but anyway you I feel know like there might just be a just what they did for the scene maybe uh you maybe, think yeah they don't have a good enough like i would think they would have a place they could easily do some kind of interrogation type thing but i guess you know that's what i thought anyway i just i feel like if you if 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 you think that someone has just, I mean, someone's been shot, regardless if you think that she's done it or not, you've got two people, you know, they're present um, and someone's been shot. I feel like that's, you know, they need to be in at least some type of holding room. You know, maybe she's not all up in jail yet, but she'd at least be in a holding room so they can ask those questions and, you know, kind of figure out what happened and put the put the pieces together. But, you know, anyway, we've got Annie at uh, the cabin and she is adamant that, um, Joy did not do this, um, and she insists on seeing her. Um, so I, I like that moment. Joy was really, once she was actually able to see Joy, um, I thought that was a nice moment. She's clearly in shock, very upset, because I'm sure she's probably blaming herself, 
for what's happened. She was the one that injected Rita with that drug, uh, made her fumble with the gun, uh, which then shot her. So she's in, in shock over that. I think it was a nice um, moment that, you know, Annie told her, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you have to stop saving me. Let me save you. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this. So I thought that was really nice that they had, you know, that moment. Um, so it was good to see them again and kind of good to see that, you know, we didn't quite lose sight. I, I don't, I, I like the flashbacks, but I also like to kind of keep up on what's happening, you know, yeah. in present day too. I don't want to lose, lose that, um, and only have the flashbacks. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and just also just a little curious why she wasn't at the police station. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe like you said, it was just, you know, for some reason she needed to be there instead of at the police station at the time. Um, I think but that I was, would be, I mean, the show does really good about what they show there has meaning to it. So mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting to see that the reason that they like, because it seems like a lot of people are in the know about weird stuff happening in Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. And it'd be interesting if like that sheriff or uh, officer that took her to her home first knew that something weird is going on. So he's like, I'm going to take, take her here where it's just me, the officer I trust and these two suspects. Mm-hmm. Because if I take her to the police station, then something weird's going on there and I can't trust that she'll be safe there or that she's not part of whatever's going on. So maybe he did it as kind of an isolation. Like it was, it's an odd thing to do because he's got reason to do it to kind of keep him and this whole daughter murder thing isolated from everything else that's going on. Does that make sense? What I'm kind of like yeah, officer I made think, that. Yeah. I guess it's not completely um, out of the realm of, something that might typically be done, but it just seems strange to me why they would do that. Um, but yeah, good to see, you know, a little bit of what kind of happened after and that they didn't just leave us hanging with, you know, uh, a flashlight in their face, um, after, after Rita got shot. So at least we know kind of what's happening there on that end. Um, and hopefully we'll get to see more in the next episode. So anyway, short and sweet, but that's my number four. I like it. Yeah. They did a really good job of, I mean, I feel like it was really Annie's story for a while. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the the whole like Marston house was kind of like, it was like, it was like a side stuffing of like, ah, I kind of want that, but it's not my favorite thing. <laughs> and yep. they've really kind of switched, you know, it's like they were like about 50, 50. And now like the Marston storylines like really got me interested. Yeah. And it's definitely becoming like a split storyline. I feel like Annie still has a lot to do with it. Oh yeah. Clearly since Ace is wanting her to um, be the one to uh, be the vessel for Amity. Um, it's, you know, just storylines converging, but it's definitely that side of the story and the Marsden house and everything happening. There's definitely amping up, especially, you know, with where this episode ends up leading us there at the end. Um, more things are converging as well. So <clears throat> what is your number four? So my number four is Shawshank Prison. So uh, it's a back in business. It looks like they are having prisoners back there, uh, and we learn the storyline of Pop. Because mm-hmm. I assume that you know when they were you know Ace and his brother were calling him Uncle, I wasn't sure if that was like if he was Blood Uncle or if it was kind of like what you do if like you know if you have you know my my wife has you know like four or five really close friends that you know my son calls Aunt whoever right you know so it's kind of like a, a close family mm-hmm. friend that you'd call an aunt yeah. And I kind of thought like maybe that was what it was. Mm -hmm. But we learn here that uh, their mother was murdered 
by their father. Yeah. And their mother is actually his sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was, you know, that interaction probably felt the most real of a lot of the interactions we see on this show. Because yep. it, it's a guy who's coming to the end of his life. And even in the face of the person that murdered his sister, who was pretty cold about a lot of the stuff too, mm-hmm. still is able to say, I forgive you. And it's, I think a lot of that, I'm not sure if that part of the storyline is really going to play into much else, except that was a way for Pop to find out that Ace has been visiting mm-hmm. and get us down the path of probably what our number one and number two is going to be. <laughs> yeah. What's going on at Shawshank? Because we remember last season what all happened to Shawshank. And uh, it's really crazy with the show. Like that part too is, you know, we've, we've seen some bits and pieces of, you know, you know, like the, the former – uh, guy who ran Shawshank, you know, he killed himself in the lake and they couldn't <clears throat> find his head. Yeah. You know, they dropped that reference. And then I think the first episode they talked about how Shawshank caught on fire. And But there really wasn't much else that tied to season one. I feel like in these this last episode specifically, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Season one and season two, they tie together. Like this isn't an anthology where each season's isolated. This is a continuation of last season, which I wasn't really expecting. So I'm really kind of cool to see that. But uh, I'm curious to see what you kind of think about that interaction between Pop and his uh, brother-in-law. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's actually my number three. So I'll just go ahead and, and talk about that. So first thing, uh, Tim Robbins pulls up and gets out of his truck and boom, what do you see right there? Shawshank. And I just went, <laughs> <laughs> literally, I did that. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was so excited to have that little Easter egg to have Tim Robbins standing outside of Shawshank, this time on the other side of the fence. <laughs> um, so that was at least good to see um, instead of on the inside like he was in the Shawshank Redemption. Um, but that just gave my heart so much joy and such a, 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 an, an awesome, awesome um, little Easter egg and tie in to um, the Shawshank Redemption. I love Tim Robbins so much. I just can't even... Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, it's like, okay, what's he doing there? Um, and also, oh, I guess FYI, like you said, Shawshank is back open for business because they, um, you know, it had been closed because the, of what had happened in season one um, with, the, with the mass shooting and just the complete chaos. Because I'm pretty sure when we, um, season one, when Henry had the kid down back down into his cage, it was closed. It looked like he he was like climbing through a fence or over a fence or something. And I mean, clearly he wasn't going to be sneaking in there if it was open. Right. Um, If there was anybody there to be monitoring or if it was um, still open. Um, So it was closed at that time. So we're kind of merging, you know, those storylines and that timeline pretty tight there. So they're back open for business because even, um, oh shoot. And I did not get his name, um, his brother-in-law. But he's like, Oh, Hey, well, welcome back. And he says, Oh yeah, they bounced me from here to here. And, you know, now they're he's back home, as he calls it, back to Shawshank. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting to get that storyline because we find out why Ace and Chris, uh, you know, was living uh, with Ace or sorry, with Pops and, and kind of what that storyline was. Where are his parents? What happened to his parents? You just, you know, you don't know. And yeah, like you said, they are blood relatives. It's not that he just adopted them like he did Nadia and Abdi. Um, they are his his blood kin. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see how Pop is kind of 
come into terms with the end of his life and he's, you know, he's having his own wake, you know, and he's kind of saying the things that he wants to say yeah. to all of his, you know, all the people, um, which I thought, I don't know, I thought it was a good idea. I don't know. I've heard of people doing that. Like, you know, I don't want to be, you know, hey, if you have my funeral, I can't enjoy my funeral. I'm not going to, yeah. you know, be there. So people have, I've heard of that. I've never been to one. Um and in some ways it seems really morbid, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. I think if I knew I were dying, like this was going to happen and there was no way back. I would want to have some kind of like little party or pre-week. I would, yeah. Nice before. little shindig. Yeah, have a little party and, you know, celebrate one more time with the people that you care about in your life and, you know, tell people, you know, what they meant to you in your life. And, hey, thanks for, you know, uh, making my life special in this way or that way. Or I guess tell people to F off one last time oh, if yeah. you really want to kind of tell that one person how you feel. I'd really want to mess with people. Like you hire somebody you don't even know and have them come <laughs> and like you just like, like I am not going to talk about what happened, blah, blah, blah. And then they just like leave and people are like, who the the fuck is that? No kidding. That would be awesome. But yeah, I don't think that's such a terrible idea. It seems a little morbid, but I'm morbid. So I thought that was super cool what, what Pops did. But he's clearly come to terms um, and kind of wants to just um, make peace. Um, so I thought it was pretty big of him to go and visit uh, his brother-in-law who, yeah, we find out killed a sister. Um, I, I'm guessing putting the pieces back together and kind of reading between the lines of their conversation sounds like he was maybe in a drunken rage. Um, mm, Cause he said talking, he didn't remember it right or. Well, he was talking about, I guess, you know, that he was drinking um, and I guess went home and I guess uh, hit, hit her or knocked her down or did something while he was drunk and, and it killed her. Um, and because pop was like, if you, he's like, yeah, if you told another war story instead of, you know, after drinking, going home and, you know, knocking someone around, um, things would have been different. <clears throat> so very interesting to, to hear that and thinking, man, I don't know if, if I could have done what, what pop did. Oh, no. yeah. So I think, that was interesting to get that backstory, but then we also get um, we get him to Shawshank to find out that you know because he's like, well, you know, I don't know what's going on with you and why you're here visiting me, um, and you know, I've got you visiting me, and then you know, Ace was here, and so then Pop finds out that that he was here. He's like, what the hell is he doing here? And he asks the guard when he's leaving. Um, which I love that interaction because that yeah. kid did not want to tell. He's like looking around, did not want to tell him. And Pop just looks at him. He's like, "Remember who you're talking to?" Yeah. Oh, like, that was that was a nice little flex of power. Like it wasn't a and because that's what we've been trying to figure out with Pop. Like I don't think he's this guy who's got a lot of like violent power. It's just a guy who like commandeers respect. You know, it's nothing. Yep. It's not like Sons of Anarchy power. It's just a, a guy who's basically the stand up in the community kind of thing. He's a good-hearted loan shark, man. The good-hearted yeah. small-town gangster. You know, he's he's got his position of power, but he's not going to be a, a, a big ass about it. Um, but he does command respect for sure. I just I love that line so much because it was like I kind of shrank back a little bit. Like, yes, sir. I <laughs> I would spill my guts immediately if I had him saying in front of me saying, "Remember who you're talking to." Um, so he finds out Ace went down to Block F. Uh, it's like, what's happening there? I, I don't know. Um, so we see, we get to see this like flashback of this guard and I don't remember his name, uh, taking him down there and finds out there's only a pile of clothes. 
Yeah. And the gate is still locked. The little door, um, the, you know, it hasn't been opened. It hasn't been, doesn't look like it's been messed with. But there's a pile of clothes, pile of sweats there. Looks pretty darn familiar. Um, I felt like I was having some serious flashbacks to, to season one. And I thought, what the hell's going on? Why are we, yeah. why are we back down here again? I think we've been lied to, Sean. <laughs> this- yeah. Well, uh, that's actually my number one is the kid is free. Yeah. So we'll, I can jump to that since we're kind of talking to it. Cause you know, you remember when they were talking about that, whenever bad things happen in Castle Rock, it's because the kid was out and around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see that he's not there. Obviously the door's still locked. So I don't know how he got out, but my guess is that he is, I haven't watched the next episode yet, but I'm curious to see that how much he's going to be playing in the next couple episodes. Cause I think he's probably out and about. You think so? I do. Think he's I out really causing do. some chaos. Or maybe they've, but he. But it seems like since he looked the same in the flashback, I wouldn't think he'd be moved into a different body. But maybe like the pastor, maybe that's actually him, or maybe they've moved him into that wooden carving or something. I don't know, but yeah, I think he is out and about. It's possible because yeah, you're right. In season one, when he was let out uh, for a while. There were shootings. People were killing themselves. Mass fires. Into that home where there was that family that was having a nice dinner, and all of a sudden, like it just went from zero to yeah. Stephen King slicer movie in like two seconds. Yeah, absolute chaos and craziness just absolutely followed him everywhere that he went. And I don't know. It's it's possible, but um, I don't know. I don't know what the hell to think. We've got this damn statue of him. Um, that we see in the past, and then we see it today when they take it to the parade. Um, and you hear what sounds like the schisma. This because as soon as they like unveil that statue there at the parade, you hear that funky noise, and everybody is completely transfixed, and they're just like in this stupor. Um, except for Pop, which was yeah. What what does he know, or why is he not vulnerable to that? I just I love it so much. But you know when he says, uh, you know, hey, I've been around. Um, I can remember things um, that you cannot imagine. Or he's you know he says I'm old enough to remember things that you cannot imagine. What the hell has he seen? Where what what exactly is that? And does that have something to do with why he's not affected? Uh, like everyone else is uh, by the statue. Um, so I'm curious to get that answer. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm freaking the hell out. I remember I had my suspicions when I saw that statue. Um, not so much the robed figure, but when I saw the statue and I saw the face, I was like, hmm, that face looks oddly familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, I, but I didn't. I didn't let myself believe it because I kept saying, "This is supposed to be an anthology." They told <laughs> us that there, you know, this was a completely separate story. There was not supposed to be any tie-ins. Yes, we have our Easter eggs because we're still in like the, you know, even though we're in Jerusalem's lot, we're also in Castle Rock. So things are going to kind of mesh a little bit, right? We know that, um, like the whole Shawshank thing. But 
um, or at least as far as like the prison and you're going to hear about, oh yeah, some crazy stuff happened or you're going to hear about Warden Lacey and, you know, some things like that because we're, we're just after, you know, all of that's happened. So we knew that, but as far as like the kid, um, and his storyline and things that happen, I, I, I just didn't think about it. And I should have known because we had the flashback of Amity, um, in season one, there was, I think it was when, um, oh shit, it's not Melanie, because her real name's Melanie, Molly, was out in the woods. I'm pretty sure it was her and not Henry, but I'm pretty sure it was Molly when she was out in the woods and she could hear the schisma and you could see all the timelines um, out there yeah. in the woods and you could you, there was a flashback of Amity holding a bloody knife. Which I like that callback. Because, I mean, we saw a bunch of weird stuff there, and it's just kind of like, what the hell does all this mean? And I like that they're pulling from that right away. Yeah. Yeah. I should have known. Should have known. Because I'm like, oh, we freaking saw her in season one, and here she is in season two. But I thought, well, it wasn't exactly a storyline, right? Um, so I thought, well, okay. But I should have. I should have just... I just allowed myself to be carried away. I wasn't thinking too hard on it. And I just want to kick myself in my own ass um, for not picking up on it a little bit faster. But I know as soon as I saw that statue, I started to think something is amiss here. But I didn't allow myself to believe it because I'm too damn trustworthy. They told me (laughs) and I believed them and they lied. They lied, lied, lied. And I don't know if I'm okay with it or, (laughs) or not. Where are you landing on it? Uh, well, I mean, again, I was spoiled because uh, I saw that he That's was true. in 11 episodes and not just 10. So when I saw all that happening and I saw they had the the piece on the canyon uh, overlooking Castle Lake and you see this foot-hooded figure walking up, I'm like, oh, that's who it is. That's him. And then the the first carving looked a little bit like him because it was kind of melted. I'm like, would I have known after seeing that? I'm like, probably not. I probably would have again thought, you know, I would have been more meta with it. I'd be like, Bill Skarsgård's doing all those movies. Like, he's not coming back for a season two. Like, that would be tough. Yep. So that's not him. And then, but being spoiled, I knew it was, which kind of kind of ruined it a little bit. But, uh, you know, jumping back, like, my number three, like, my question around that is, like, what does Pop know? Yeah. Because when they talk about the house – and Block F, he gets really concerned. Like, I think he knows what's in Block F. I think he knows about the house. I think he knows a pretty dark history of Castle Rock. And, you know, when he goes there, it was interesting that they didn't try to kill him or anything mm-hmm. when he was there. Like, Ace was very much like, you need to leave. So I'm curious, you know, is his power over Castle Rock uh, not just him as a man but maybe it's something deeper mm-hmm. which would be interesting you know like the cancer and stuff like i don't know if they've really referenced it but is that something that should have taken him out quicker than it has so maybe maybe there is some good in castle rock that's feeding through him but i'm really intrigued to see in these last couple episodes what we get from pop and like maybe this history of what he knows kind of like jackie torrance in last season you know she kind of had a lot of ideas and knowledge of what was happening here in Castle Rock, and that's kind of moving on to to what we see from from Pop too. That's true. That's some really good thoughts. I hadn't hadn't quite went that way with it, but I like that. Well, you know, Pop, he's been around a while, and I think that he 
I don't know if he knew Warden Lacey's secret or exactly what he was up to up there in Shawshank, but he certainly, um, well, and maybe it was just in the news. I guess it's not out of the realm of possibilities that even if he wasn't in cahoots or was in on Warden Lacey's secret, I think most people kind of found out later, right, that um, there was something up in block F and there was, oh, they uh, found that because what didn't that come out in season one? I, th- I thought that came um, out. Maybe it did. I guess I kind of thought like it was still a little bit in the know, but not a ton, but yeah, that's a good question. I have to go <laughs> back and watch. I say I'm rusty to be honest on season one. I haven't watched it since we covered it. Uh, when season one was on air, so I, I didn't do, I didn't do a rewatch because they said it was an <laughs> anthology. So I thought, well, there's no reason to go back and watch season one because, yeah, there might be some Easter eggs, there might be some tie-ins, but the story isn't really going to be related. It's not a continuation, so there's no point. So here I am, high and freaking dry, <laughs> not remembering hardly anything about season one, except for trying to go back and read some, you know, just the, the big plot points, you know, of, of some of what happened now that we know that it's, there are things merging here and happening. So I don't remember. I thought that it came out that what the hell was Warden Lacey doing up there, man? You know, he has his cage. He's, you know, had it had this thing going on, but I don't know. I know that there was some correspondence we saw in one of the other episodes. It was kind of like a little Easter egg uh, when we got a look at Pop's ledger or his letters or something that he had out on his desk. And there was something in there. We saw Warden Lacey's name. So mm. it's, you know, Pop's been around a long time. Warden Lacey was around a long time. Uh, I'm sure Alan Pangborn, who also was in on it. I'm sure all these guys knew each other and... I think Pop had to know a little bit. He may not have known the full scope, but I think he knew enough because, of, well, I feel like not much happens in either Castle Rock or Salem's Lot without Pop knowing what the hell's going on. I agree. Yeah, I definitely. He's agree he's that. definitely in the grapevine and and knows the people and he hears enough. Whether or not he knows the full story, he's heard enough or knows enough. So I feel like if he wasn't in a little bit of cahoots. Uh, with Pangborn and Lacey, um, he knew enough and was just probably like, I'm just going to steer the hell away from that because I don't want to be all up in that. I've yeah. got my own thing going on, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, now I'm feeling like, shit, now I need to go back and, and rewatch all the season one again to kind of get, or at least some of those key episodes. Well, that's their goal. They they wanted you not to rewatch it, but then after you get done with the season, like, all right, shit, well, now I have to keep this Hulu account so I can go back and watch it. I know. Got it. Got it refresh myself on everything that happened but yeah that was just my number three what does pop know about castle rock so what do you have for your number two my number two well i want to talk a little bit about amity i know we've already talked about her some but once her and augustine get um kicked out um of their village uh her father leading everyone to believe that she's a witch um as they are out in the woods, she seems to be at her last hope. It looks like Augustine is sick or ill. Um, he looks to be somewhat feverish and such, and she seems to be at her wit's end as to uh, what their next steps are and what, what they can do. And that's another scary thing, too. Man, if you just, you know, forget about it, even if you just cut yourself. If you get the flu, man, oh yeah, that ain't look, looking sentence. too good for you. Yeah, so um, so she's in desperate um, desperate times at this point, and as she is out there, I don't know if she was actively calling to something to to help or if 
this angel, as she likes to call him, uh, just presented himself like, hey, I'm going to prey upon this young, vulnerable woman. Um, I don't know if that's the situation or if she was actually calling out uh, for someone to help her. But nevertheless, he appears, which was kind of interesting, you know, that this light kind of shines because you kind of see the change in the color of it looks real. It looks kind of, um, you know, a slightly colorless and dull. But then when he kind of reveals himself, it becomes bright and shiny. And you can just kind of see like this filters lifted off of the screen when he appears. Um, and then all of a sudden there's all this food. And when she goes back to her village and she's like, you know, look, we have food and, um, the garden is full, and yeah, and like it was like, well, it was all dead just yesterday, but now it's plentiful. It's like, oh, okay, I know. like there's some. And her, like, yeah, well, like yeah, like you said, her father was quick to be like, you know, this is not cool. This is not. There's something up, which he was already suspicious of her, and he's got a couple of his his you know fellas that are in his way of thinking. Um, that same thing, but those villagers, I mean, those people are starving and they're probably like, we don't care where, where it came from. We're starving. Our children are starving. Um, this person is bringing us food and, and, you know, fertile land. We don't care how it got here. So yeah. kind of hard to fault them for that, you know, uh, for that way of thinking. Um, however, when they decide to burn her father and his friends on upside down crosses, that was like, uh, I don't think that's some angel yeah, that, that's come to like save them. That was zero to like creepy <laughs> cult, like right away. It's like, oh, great, they brought us food. Now burn the unbelievers. Yeah. So, and, and you know, the way that they kind of bow to her and call her prophet, mm-hmm. um, was just very interesting, very cult-like. It just immediately made me think, you know, you brought up, brought it up earlier when you were, you know, kind of talking about Jamestown. I was, um, and then, um, so I immediately was like thinking, yeah, um, this is very cult-like behavior. I thought her choice of wardrobe was interesting. Uh, she was in all white, um, anytime that you saw her on screen and then all the other villagers, you know, had other colors and they were very dark and gray or just very dark colors. But she was always in this stark white um, from head to toe, which I thought was very interesting. I didn't know if this was the way of the uh, costume designers, the the showrunners to kind of present to her like she is some sort of prophet, a pure type figure, not like a witch, she's from the side of light, not dark. Um, mm-hmm. Because she does stand out very much from everyone. She's Everyone else is all in this dark clothing, but she's in all of this white. So I don't know if that was on purpose. I feel like, you know, um, one of my favorite shows, Breaking Bad, um, and I've watched a lot of Breaking Bad in the last couple of months. So, Which you find this out beforehand if you pay attention, if you just watch it once. But when you watch it over and over again, you, it really stands out to you. Is And I, I won't spoil anything for anyone if you haven't seen that um, or El Camino, the movie. Um, but they use color in their wardrobe and it, it means something. Right. As, as when, you know, when each characters are wearing different colors as the season, you know, from the beginning to the end, it means something. So I, that kind of stuff kind of stands out to me whenever I'm watching other shows, um, that there's, you know, 
if I see a stark contrast like that, I'm like, that has to mean something. I feel like that was kind of on purpose. I'm not really sure if that's what their intent was, but it stood out to me anyway. Um, so she gets the villagers on her side, um, burns her father on these upside down crosses. That was immediately, you know, I grew up Catholic, man. I see those upside down crosses and I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. oh shit. <laughs> Just, I'm thinking well, I'm so starting to cross my myself out of too, habit. <laughs> my question too, with a lot of that, like, do you feel like she was being used too? Because, you know, she does the whole clearing out of the room when mm-hmm. she talks to the the statue saying, Hey, I did everything that you said. And now the next step is that, oh, well, now you have to kill all of yourselves and basically bury yourselves till 400 years from now. I feel like she was being slightly taken advantage of in that situation. Yeah, I I think that, you know, this angel that's not really an angel that we know is the kid um, saw her and took advantage of the situation. Uh, I, I think that they can see that she was, you know one to stand up because we saw her in the beginning, like, you know, tell them, tell them what you told me that this land is cursed or that, you know, we're going to die here. We need to move. She was telling them that we need to go somewhere else. This land is not, you know, there's something wrong happening here. Um, I don't think what she knew is that what was wrong with it was what she got herself into um, in the first place. I think this was just a, you know, let's, get people to buy in that everything is really good here when it's not, we're going to give you food. Um, you know, this was the devil. Uh, Cause I'm going to just say he's the devil. He was being called the devil. And that's what um, Henry Deaver ended up calling him. It's what Warren Lacey called him. The kid, um, you know, was the devil. I think even Alan Pingborn might've called him that. Um, I think that was his way of twisting and manipulating the situation and taking advantage of it. It probably was cursed because of him, but he was also able to reverse that to be able to bring people into his way of thinking and get getting them to do what he wanted to do. And he used Amity as that. He saw her as like, you know, she's standing up to her father and some of the leaders in the village saying, you know, you're, you're starving us. We need to leave. Um, and then he comes, the devil presents himself to her um, you know, gives her, um, like speaks through her, um, and she's able to communicate his thoughts and vision, um, to the others. And yeah, I think she probably was manipulated. I don't, cause she seemed really hesitant. Like you said, she made everybody leave the church and was like, you know, I've done all of these things for you. I've, I've given your word, you know, and pass it to the people I've burned my father, you know, at the stake and, and, and his people, um, I've done everything that you've asked me. And now you're asking me to do this. You're asking me to sacrifice them. And she seemed really torn about it. And then mm-hmm. you could see where she seemed to be possessed. Like he was taking her over. She makes that strange noise. Um, and then you yeah. just, and then when she stops, you see this just like, um, Kind of like with the villagers, or not villagers, but the townsfolk of Castle Rock, when that statue's presented itself and everybody just goes blank face, that's what she became. And she's like, you know, it's like he took her over and then they proceed to do what they do as far as, you know, everybody's having to eat those bugs. I don't know how those scarabs come into play, why that was necessary, why they had to eat those. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know if it had something to do with the, this transformation that they're able to come back or something um, or being resurrected or or whatever. Maybe that's but. what uh, that's how they found their vessels. Because, you know, like when it opens up, all those uh, bugs come out 
and they're flying around Castle Rock, maybe they're picking their vessel to get, oh, get taken back to them. Like I want, I want that one. Yeah. I want to be in that body. I want to be uh, six feet tall and and blonde and yeah. <laughs> gorgeous. What they do with mine, like I'm flying around, and it's like, Sean, why are you in L.A.? I'm like, I'm going to be called Drago. Like, get this guy, bring him to Castle Rock. <laughs> Bring me Momoa. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all for that. Um, So, yeah. So, just interesting. I think she probably was a bit manipulated um, because she didn't look like she wanted to do that until she was kind of taken over there a little bit there at the end. And, yeah, then proceeds to do what they do as far as pretty much eliminating all the villagers, but Hey, it's okay. It's only temporary 400 years from now. We're going to come back. Yeah. I mean, it flies um, by and we're going to conquer a whole new world. So I'm wondering this 400. So we got this 400th anniversary the the, the statues out, um, the, the people in castle rock are, um, transfixed on, on what's happening here. Wonder what this, uh, what exactly is being promised here? I mean, they're being told they're going to be resurrected, um, but why? Why four hundred years? What is the significance of that? Why? You know, I'm just I'm curious as to why this timeline and what what it is that his plans are. Um, the devil, the kid, because I think he's a devil now. I don't think that whole shit story we got in season one oh i'm henry deaver in this alternate timeline you know i i'm trying to cure alzheimer's i'm just i'm in the wrong place at the wrong time i was found in the woods and thrown into this cell or thrown into this cage and being told that i'm bad and that i'm the devil but i'm not i'm good um bullshit (laughs) there's my bullshit meter (laughs) So that that's my number two is is just all of this shit that's happening. Again, it's it's hard to kind of because it all kind of comes together. It's hard to kind of pull this out into pieces. But that's where I was kind of focusing on is Amity. We know at least now who this mysterious Amity is, and that Annie is supposed to be her vessel. I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the next episode. What do you got? Yeah, uh, my number two. It's kind of we've really been talking about it most of the episode. Is is the kid? Uh, <laughs> And the reason I have him not just my number one is because my number one was the kid is free, which I think is kind of the like it's the double thing in this episode. Like you find out that the kid is here, and then you know you find out that he's not in his block anymore. So where is he? But yeah, it's it's all what you said. Okay, so you've got this guy who shows up as a prophet, telling or not really more of like a god, telling people what they want to hear, just like we saw last season. Uh, and so it's, uh, there's not enough here to really go on besides the last scene you get. And fortunately for me, like I knew the whole time, so I'm trying to pick through, but not getting anything. Mm-hmm. But the last thing you see is he's the person that's the shining character over Castle Lake. And so it's like, okay, why is he there? What is he doing? He's been there for over 400 years. What yeah, else what has hell? he been involved in? And where is he now? Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where is he now? You know, like you assumed when they talked about going back to Shawshank, you're like, oh, God, what happens when they go to Block F? What are they going to see there? Well, guess what they see? Needed folding clothings and nobody there. And where's right, Henry? Well, well, oh, yeah, good point. Where, where is Henry? Where, where the hell's Henry Deaver? Because he was bringing him, it was like Christmas, and yeah. he was taking him a sandwich and all that good stuff. He's like, here you go. And that's when they had their little conversation that ended in the finale. So where the hell's Henry Deaver? What happened to him? 
because he was watching over him. It, he kind of took Warden Lacey's position and decided mm. to stay in Castle Rock and well, because that pretty much watch over you, him. I've kind of ignored this season because, like you, I'm like, well, this is an anthology. Like none of that matters. Like yeah, he's there. We'll see Shawshank maybe in some you know signage and stuff. But and even if they go there, like that's still like it's a separate thing. But no, it's like he's he's there. Well, he was there. He's not now. Uh, and I think in these next three episodes, you're going to see a lot of, okay, well, how are they really tying these two seasons together, which will jumpstart us into a season three, which now my mind's kind of blown at what that could be. I don't know. I can't even, I just can't. I, I watched the episode as promised um, after we recorded last week, because I was like, I have to go see what happened. So it was kind of late. And I watched it and was like, what the hell? Only really the F word. Um and I'm just sitting there like, I don't even know how to process. And I, I, watching it again and taking notes and just reading up a little bit on trying to refresh myself on season one, because I thought, well, now, shit, now I got to go back and try to refresh myself on on what happened. Um, I still can't figure it out. I don't have the answers. But 400 years ago, he was there. He was there present day. Um, and now he's disappeared again with Apparently no help because of the pile of clothes and the door is locked. Henry Deaver nowhere to be found. Um, and Ace is out there trying to look for him and find him. And he hasn't, I don't guess. Although he's moving forward with the plans for, um, you know, whatever their plans are. Presenting the statue in front of the village and all of that stuff. What the? Why does he need to find him as Amity told him to find him? But I... If you read enough Stephen King, everyone should know about a character called Randall Flagg um, or the Man in Black or um, all these other names that he goes by. Is this Castle Rock's own version of Randall Flagg type character? I don't think it is him exactly, but I think he's a type like a type of like a Randall Flagg type character. Um, who can kind of be interdimensional, um, can kind of pass and come and go as he pleases. And he's, you know, up to, he's no good. Um, he's the devil or he's this so many, um, I mean, just go read about Randall Flagg on, on the, on the Stephen King, uh, wiki. Um, and you'll find out all kinds of things, but I'm thinking, is he this version of, cause we know they like to pull things from Stephen King lore, you know, mm-hmm. into, into castle rock. So is this another thing that they're pulling from castle or from Stephen King lore, um, a Randall flag type character into the castle rock universe that we have here on this TV show. It's, it's what I'm leaning towards. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's like, I don't have any other way to explain how he's able to be there and have like these powers 400 years ago, um, being there today and somehow disappearing. That's where I'm settling on it. So I don't know. Um, I know I'm going to be watching the episode after we're done here and just seeing what the hell, what information we get. I have to see what happens next. And stay off IMDb, Sean, until yeah, <laughs> until you can uh, watch it. No more social best. media for you. Yeah. <laughs> Text me. I'll look up something for you because I'm going to watch the episode. Text me and I'll tell you what you <laughs> need to know if you need someone's name. But um, let's see. Did you have anything else on your top five? Nope, that was my top five. Uh, I don't have any notes. I think we covered pretty much all my notes, but what do you have? Um, I guess you got your number one still, too, or was it the kid? It was the kid. Just my mind blown 
being lied to, what the hell's going on, I don't know what's happening. That was pretty much my number one. I just trying to explain or make sense of things. Um, the few other notes that I have is, let's see, just a few Easter eggs. So the kid, big Easter egg. Um, who the hell is he? I guess he's not really an Easter egg, but definitely worth mentioning considering he, uh, we've got Bill Skarsgård reprising his role from the first season. Um, so he's back. Um, we have also, did you see in the parade, Christine's car? I missed that. No. Yeah. So up on the stage, um, so we've got the parade and everybody's clapping and all excited. got, you know, things going on and, um, the MC, I don't know. Oh, I can't remember who it was supposed to be. It was before the pastor got up there. Um, but the MC was like, Oh, look at that car. And there's this really awesome 1958 Plymouth Fury, um, that is red and has the black tinted windows and it's Christine. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. Um, some people might be like, oh, whatever, but I loved it. I thought it was oh, super. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were the ones that like the first <laughs> episode when there's that dog bark, we're like, oh, my God, is that Cujo? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then, of course, Tim Robbins. We already mentioned him. Tim Robbins in front of Shawshank. Uh, I want, oh, yeah. I want a screenshot of that as my desktop for a little while. I'm going <laughs> to put it somewhere. I just, I love it so much seeing him get out of his truck and um, just right behind him see the Shawshank prison uh, sign right behind him. I just, God, I just love it. Um, kind of an extended universe kind of thing. Um, out in the parade, uh, as people are, are marching along, there is a little kid in a creepy clown mask, which very much reminded me of like an It or Pennywise um, little Easter egg type thing that it, it was pretty damn creepy and I didn't like it. Um, that's what it kind of reminded me of. So, But that's all that I have for Easter eggs. If anybody has anything else um, or would like to add any, let me know. But that's all that I had for this week. So with that being said, now that we're done with notes in our top five, that leads us to our favorite part of the podcast, and that's letters from the laughing place. And that's our listener feedback portion. So first one that we have this week is from our good friend, Doug Fick. He says, allow me to pick my jaw up off the floor before I begin. (laughs) What an awesome OMG WTF moment. Just when you were waiting for the season one tie-in, there it was brilliantly done. Again, loving how they weave the past with the present to keep all the storylines moving. Still not sure of where the pop and the adopted Smalley kids story works in the big picture. I'm sure there's a purpose. Question, where did Ace get his new wardrobe? Did I miss seeing a J. Crew in town? <laughs> You're right. He 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 sharpened up there, didn't he? He got that. That's why he went to Dairy. Oh, that's it. He went to Dairy because he needed some new clothes. Um, he goes on to say, "I don't think the Emporium carries such swanky duds." <laughs> Christine was at the parade. <laughs> yep, upside down crucifixion and burning, the opposite of the Christian symbol. Wasn't quite sure why the villagers had to kill themselves and wait 400 years, but it appears the kid needs to expose himself, tee <laughs> to a larger audience to do his deeds. Upon second viewing, you can see the kid's uh, features in the wooden statue back 400 years ago. You're right. Um, cool image of the new statue in the Mylar balloon. Oh, did I miss that? Hmm. 
I have to go back. Um, he goes on, soup to nuts, this show is fierce. <laughs> we should see and discuss the movie Black Christmas, as I think we have seen the trailer as many times as Pitbull's <laughs> stupid face. Uh, I know, right? You're right. Um, uh, and it's bad now. Like, if I'm watching regular TV and I see that Pitbull commercial, I'm like, wait, am I on Hulu? Or, like, what, what's going on here? I know, right? Can't escape it. That's going to be the only good thing about when the show is over, when we finish it, um, is we don't have to see any more Pitbull, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Um, that and why <laughs> freaking intro music is going to like haunt my dreams. Right. Uh, we're right there with you, Doug, I tell you. So he goes on, he says, why is he wiping off his shoulders all the time? Does he have dandruff? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't wear black suits then, bro. You live in Miami. Try a pastel color for Christmas sake. A quick Thanksgiving shout out to Rima and Sean for all the work they put in into our little cast. I'm thankful for them and all my strange and did indeed peeps out there oh thanks doug yeah, thanks, we doug. we missed you we knew that you were um out of town or um out of um i guess uh you mentioned that you didn't have any data somewhere you were out of the network for a while so we're we're glad to have you back we're thankful for you as well thanks for that shout out our next one comes from Marine Favo. So funny how the episode that made the wished for connection to season one also threw season two upside down have no idea how to make the sense of it but no, I am looking forward to figuring it out. Me too. Jennifer Camillary says, can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I love how it tied into season one. Remember the last episode of season one when Henry was walking in the woods? He was wounded or dying. I didn't go back and watch. And had all these weird visions? They showed a bit of that in the previews for this episode, and I knew something was up. Then the end came, and my mind was blown. So good. Next one comes from Lindsay Slitch. So, ah, uh, I don't know why, but I just knew Cloak. I knew Cloak Dude was going to be him. I really enjoy. Oh, and I did too, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Not by my own smarts, but because I found a clue. <laughs> Uh, I really enjoy all the backstory about Ace and his resurrection pals, but I feel like we got 25 answers along with 60 new questions. Who are they? Where are they? What's with the bug? Is Pennywise guy an angel, devil, and Ostaval? How is this going to tie in with Annie and Joy? WTF is going on. I know. I don't know. We're just, you said it, Lindsay. 25 answers along with 60 yeah. new questions. That's pretty much, I think, where we were season one of Castle Rock. It's like, oh, we they give us a sprinkling of answers, and oh, well, they, let's give you some questions. Cast, Castle Rock does a really good job of, like, maybe the first couple episodes, like, okay, we're cruising along, but then it just ramps up really quick. And, like, yeah, you know, some of the streaming shows we've covered, it's like episodes one through eight just drag and drag, and then episode nine, ten kind of pick up. But with mm -hmm. this, it's just like, it's just well well paced yeah and with a big hell of a twist right here on episode se or uh, yeah episode seven, seven with, yeah you know Three just left, yeah. a handful more to go and it's like damn you just totally turned my you know you think you're going this way and they've totally turned us upside down and we're going in a completely different direction so i don't know man uh, we've got an email as well. Uh, it says, Hi, Rima and Sean. I've been listening to you guys since your run through of Black Mirror, and I've been hooked. I love your points of view and the great banner you have between you. You both really add to every show I've watched with you guys. Oh, thanks, dude. Um, I just did a rewatch of season one of Castle Rock and saw something I had completely forgotten about. You may have mentioned this already, and I just forgot, but the at the end of episode nine, when alternate Molly is taking young Henry through the woods, and before she gets shot, they see some sort of alternate version of the woods that is in daylight while they are in the dark of night. 
The first person they see is a woman dressed as a colonial with a bloody knife. It's definitely Amity from season two, so I'm guessing the knife is bloody from cutting throats. They show other people as well, two prisoners from what looks to be early 1900s escaping, a guard with a dog chasing them, and a girl slitting her wrist. Since Amity showed, showed up so much in season two, it makes me wonder if she if the other people will show up in seasons to come. I was also thinking about the typing that is sometimes heard when Annie is doing things. Rima pointed out that she's really good at coming up with stories on the fly, and I think that's what's happening. She doesn't write stories on paper, harder to do if you have dyslexia, but when her mind is either thinking of what to do next or is hallucinating, it is her ability to create stories that we are hearing. Oh, well, that's a nice little observation. I don't know. Um, goes on, it is ultimately so hard to appreciate the writing the first time you watch these episodes because of all the amazing actors on the screen. But this is one of those brilliant shows that are even better on the second watch through. I'm really glad you guys chose to cover such a great show. Thank you both for making it feel like we are watching these shows with great friends. Mike. Man, thanks. Yeah, I really like nice they call it. Yeah. But it's the same thing like you said. Like when I saw that, I'm like, wait, was she in the first season? But because I didn't think about going back and doing a watch through, I had like it just didn't dawn on me because these seasons felt like they weren't going to connect. But I know we were just totally uh, taken aback because I, I wasn't prepared for it either. Like I said, I thought because typically I would, right? We like with Stranger Things, I went back and did a rewatch, and you know, you could just kind of do those things to prep because um, kind of helped to get a, that refresher so you can reference to it. I didn't do any of that shit for Castle Rock <laughs> because I didn't think we had to, but here we are. Just have to do more reading. I don't think I got time for another rewatch. I mean, I think it'll be too confusing maybe to watch season one at this point um, and try oh, to keep yeah. up with this one and try to focus on it. But I don't know. We'll have to see what happens next. And maybe maybe if I can watch a few key scenes, maybe. I don't know. Um, we also have a voicemail this week from our good friend, Steve Brown. Well, that's the story. Soup to nuts. <laughs> hey, Rim and Sean, it's Steve. This is for Castle Rock Episode 7, The Word. And I, I got a little confused at one point. Um, did they talk about the 400-year anniversary celebration in Season 1? I know there was talk about a celebration in that whole alternate universe episode that they had. So... Uh, I'm not sure what maybe the time frame is, and I, I can't remember. wasn't Wasn't the prison closed at the end of season one? And that's what we saw. We saw Henry Deaver going back to the prison where he had the kid in the cell in that last episode, and the prison was closed. So maybe this is taking place sometime after that, where the the prison has now reopened, and uh, whatever's happened to the kid and Henry Deaver. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm interested in the time frame, and if you guys remember better than, than I did in that, that spot of the rocks overlooking the lake, if I'm not mistaken, that appears to be the same place where the warden drove his car over the, the, into the lake. That's the mm -hmm. same spot where Alan Pangborn was standing when he saw Henry Deaver in, on the frozen lake. And it's it, it can't be the same setting, but it looks very similar to that spot where the kids from it, when they're sitting on the rocks and they're each trying to figure out who's going to jump into the water first. Was that it? Chapter one, I think. Yeah. Um, 
I know the first time I watched this, from the very moment that they revealed this whole angel thing, I was like, is that going to be Bill Skarsgård? Is it Bill Skarsgård? And, like, I kept waiting. I was like, come on, are they going to show us Bill Skarsgård? Is it going to be him? And then, of course, that that moment at the end uh, where we get that uh, reveal of him uh, is just, ooh. Uh, and uh, I love some of the, the way they did the memory flashbacks with Ace when he's standing in the house and it flashes back to him in his other state uh, from the past 400 years ago. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Sorry that this went a little long. Talk to you later. Uh, thanks, Steve. Great thanks, as always. Steve. Yeah, really good observations. I, I think you're right. That was definitely it looked to be about the same spot where Lacey um, ran his car. Um off the mm-hmm. uh, cliff of the lake that seemed to, yes, be where about the same spot Alan Pingborn when he spotted um, Henry Deaver because the lake was frozen over. It was winter um, and spotted him. And about where the kids were um, in the lake when they were paddling. And I'm pretty sure it was probably a chance that said, you know, oh, everything bad happens here on the lake or something. So I don't know what it is about that lake and about that particular area because just up above there, up out in the woods, it's where you hear the schisma. I swear Joy heard it when she got into the water and um, when she yeah, jumped no, in, into the back. lake. So um, some weird shit happening out there for sure. So definitely some good tie-ins. I don't think you're far off of that at all, Steve. So great observations. Um, Appreciate that. There was also, I forgot to put it in my notes, but I was messaging with um, a loyal listener of ours, um, Josh Mall, um, about this. And um, we were just kind of talking back and forth um, uh, a day or so ago about this episode. And um, he didn't leave any official feedback, but um, he was talking about, and I'm going to give him credit for this because I didn't think of this at all, but I did, you know, notice at least the light when the kid reveals like takes his hood off and it's like this light emanates mm-hmm. from him. He was wondering if there's some type of um, it creature Pennywise tie in because he thought of the deadlights. Yeah. Could be when I, I was thinking it was kind of like the sun reflection. Cause as he did that, the sun was coming up too. Mm-hmm. Well, sun I thought effect. that was a really good callback. I thought, I don't yeah. know if he's, because I feel like it could be a, like an it, type creature, a Randall flag type character, something, some tie in um, that they're kind of taking from the Stephen King universe and kind of manipulating it. But he had that thought. He's like, that's what it reminded me of. Uh, he says um, was like the deadlights when uh, we see uh, Beverly in it. And uh, spoiler guys, if you guys haven't seen it, um, the new one or, or the original, but when, when uh, Pennywise opens his mouth like that and they see the dead lights, they all go into like this trance-like state and you have no control and he's pretty much got you at that moment. So I thought, I was like, that's a great observation. I didn't think of that at all. Um, so love that. Thanks, Josh, for um, writing in about that. And, and I'd love to hear what you think about the next episodes and such, too. And thank you, everyone. We've got some really great feedback. This was a hell of an episode. So I think it really shook everyone to their core, at least for those that weren't spoiled, Sean. Yeah, um, I know, right? <laughs> but I think it really got a hold of everyone. So everyone definitely had something to say about it. So thanks, everyone, for taking the time to write in. Um, send us a voicemail, send us an email. Um, or leave us something on our Facebook or Twitter. I love hearing about all of it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right, so next week we will be covering the 
eighth episode. Sorry, lost my notes. Next week, we'll be covering the eighth episode of Castle Rock Season 2, titled Dirty. The description for this episode is darkness has come to Castle Rock, and everyone else desperately tries to figure out what is happening, just as Ace gets ready for the final stages of his plan. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. I'm going to go watch it here in just a few minutes. I have to. First, last episode was The Word, which is Bird, and the next episode's Dirty Bird. Dirty Bird. Dirty Bird. <laughs> good, good catch. Um, we're, we are really excited for you to travel to Salem's lot with us. And while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at strange T cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash stranger T cast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You know what I want for Christmas? I want some more followers on our Instagram page. Yeah. Go a few out there more and give followers us a like. and a few more reviews. That's what we need. Yeah. That, that would be pretty awesome. That would make my Christmas. Um, and make me smile. Um, and All you- I want for Christmas <laughs> is reviews. <laughs> Five star, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastka.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcast. Yes, a review, and be sure to check out House Podcastica on the Podcastica Network, um, currently covering The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Man. So good. I haven't watched so the good. last episode yet. I think <gasps> I'm going to watch that tonight. But oh, yeah. Yes, please do, because the new one comes out tomorrow um, yeah. on Friday. Does it come out so. like right at midnight on Friday, or does it come out just... You know, when the very first episode premiered, when Disney Plus first came out on, um, oh shoot, whatever date that that was, it did come out like immediately. I'm assuming it does. That's the only time I've caught it then. I'm always wa- I'm always kind of watching it later on Friday, like in the afternoon um, at this point, but it, it probably does. If I have to guess if it's following like other streaming shows, it's probably available at midnight. But I don't know. If you're going to be up, you could always check it out. Oh, yeah. But definitely, definitely check it out. It's so good, guys. If you're not watching The Mandalorian, it is such a great show. Super fun. And the guys um, on House, House Podcastica, um, Jason, uh, Rich, and Chris are doing a really great job with it and having a good time. So check them out. Um, and then also, because we're talking about great podcasts, we have to talk about Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Romance. It comes out every Sunday. What's that happening this week? Oh, we're not releasing an episode on Sunday. We never, you know, we're not very good about following a schedule. No. Whatever. Uh, we have a spanking new episode. <laughs> it's actually a pretty fun episode. If you are a fan of Kevin Smith and uh, know about his podcast and everything, we have uh, a guy who created a song for the new movie, Reboot, on for an interview. Oh, so nice. the long story short of it is a guy in Canada, Stephen Griss, uh, Kevin Smith released an episode where he basically said, like, I think I could be a songwriter, and I have this song called Shecky Don't Like It. That's his dog, Shecky. <laughs> so Shecky Don't Like It. And he, that's all he had, just that little bit and a little hook. And this guy, Stephen Grist, ran, ran with it, wrote like a minute song, put it on the internet. Kevin Smith found it, loved it, and they had him do a full song to release uh, with the movie. So wow. we talked to him about the whole journey he went through for that. It's really, really cool and really, really interesting. So even if you don't like our brand of podcast, Language of Bromance, check it out just for the interview because he's a really interesting guy. That's amazing. What a score for you guys. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll definitely be checking that out. <clears throat> 
All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 111, The Word. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Marine Favo is strange indeed.